Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. My grandpa was upset because the watermelon would have been viable. We would have ate the watermelon. We would have spit the seeds. But instead, I picked it because I didn't know I wasn't mature enough to understand that growth takes cultivation. It takes time. Amen. So, hope you guys got your crock pots set on low. The seed, everything you need is already embedded in God's creation. I don't understand what you're saying, Pastor. Well, when you, listen, when the seed, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, is embedded in the uterine wall. It's not embedded with arms, eyes, toes, a heart that pumps and all that stuff. But over a nine-month period, things begin to spring out of the seed that were not noticeable before. Just like with the watermelon, if you pick it too early, you're not going to get what you want. It takes time. See, we live in a society that tells us you can have it right now. I have been in people's car in the passenger seat of a McDonald's and they didn't get the food fast enough. We already paid for it and they left. One time, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but one time I was at the Dairy Queen. I was about 13 years old and I wanted my peanut butter parfait. We had paid for that baby and we were waiting on it and there was not enough time in the day and we left without it. I was devastated. I'm still scarred. Because we don't have time to wait. We're a want-it-now society. Who would have ever believed that out of an acorn could grow an oak tree? Wow. Who would have ever believed that one of the smallest seeds on earth would sprout to the biggest tree on earth called the General Sherman Sequoia? A small seed. There's the tree. I have another, another one. There's the seed. Go on further. There's another seed. Further is good. And we're back to the watermelon. Praise his holy name. <laughs> the tree is so big that you can stand inside of it. But it comes out of a little seed. It's important. God built into his creation something bigger than what you start with. I'm talking about your Christian life also. Whatever he does in the physical, he does in the spiritual. That's how we gain understanding of the spiritual realm because we don't live in the spiritual realm all the time. We live in the physical. But when you understand the concept and it begins to sink in, Everyone gets on board because it's the abundance of the grace. Now, you can't see what's in the seed before it's been planted. Does everybody agree? You can look at the seed, you can talk to the seed. Old McDonald loves Jesus. Bet you didn't know that, did you? He comes to church every Sunday morning. Because he loves him some Jesus. He sings songs. He listens to the sermon. Old MacDonald loves the ministry of the word. He will set for hours. In fact, old MacDonald gets up every morning 
He does a daily devotion. He spends his precious time with God. Old MacDonald sings hymns throughout the day. He thanks God for all that God has done. Old MacDonald even thanks God for the seed. He gets on his tractor. He plows the fields. He digs up the fallow ground. He opens up the earth. He is diligent in work. After he prays, after he worships, after he farms. Even after he prays for rain and sunshine and gives thanks to God. After all of that, old McDonald still has not planted a seed. He's been real spiritual, but he has not planted a seed. Amen? How in the world, after all this work, has he not planted a seed? He goes to church and he loves Jesus. Old MacDonald does everything but meet the requirements for the seed to spring forth life. To expand, to grow. We have a lot of people who tell God I have a need, but they won't plant a seed. Hmm. I don't need T.D. Jake's one-liners this morning. Got my own. I'm going to tell you again. We have a lot of people who have a need that won't plant a seed. Amen? They will go to church. They will praise God. They will lift their hands in the air like they just don't care. But at the end of the day, they haven't devoted their time, their treasure, or their talent to God. God says you sow the seed to reap the harvest. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Well, what does that mean? If I have a little garden, I'm not going to have enough corn to take down to the granary to sell. I'm going to have enough corn for me. And I want you to understand that God wants to move. He wants to direct. He wants to guide. He wants you to plant Big crops, why? Because by the abundance of the grace that flows through you, He wants to flow out of you so that you can give, move, and motivate other people. You are not here, church, to sit on the church pew. You are here to understand and listen, communicate the grace of God to broken, lost, weak, dying people. i got to hurry. So they go to church, they praise God, they spend time with God, but they will not spend time planting a seed. It's true in life. It's true in the harvest. It's true with money. Luke 6.38 says this, Give, and all shall be given unto you. Wait a minute, Pastor. I've read that multiple times. Did you really read it or did you skim over it? Because it says right in the beginning of Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with it shall be measured to you again. The key word here is it. Does everybody agree? Whatever you want from God... You have to give God so that He can expand it. The widow of Zarephath 
Does everybody know the story? God told her, the prophet's coming to your house. Give him food. She made a statement. She said, God, I don't even have enough food for me and my child. We're going to eat the cake and we're going to die. But the Bible says that she believed enough to plant the seed. Because planting the seed shows that you have faith, church. As God or in God as your source. Do you believe he's your source? So when she gave to the prophet, the Bible says that her and her son did not run out of flour. But it also says another thing that we miss totally. It says that she had a small cruise of oil. The flour is going to physically provide for me. The oil is going to keep the flour from sticking, but the oil represents something totally different. The Bible says she had a small cruise of oil. Have you ever heard anybody talk about the oil? Because if my cake goes in the pan and it sticks, I'm going to lose half of the last meal I got and then I'm going to die. But nobody talks about the oil. Nobody talks about the presence of this factor that changes the whole dish. Nobody talks about the presence of God anymore. Are you hearing me? No, but we leave that out of the scripture because listen, the oil is sticky. The oil is not something we want on us, but the oil is what you need. The oil helps the seed. Because when you plant the seed, God will meet the need. Amen. Without a demonstration of faith and the realization that God is your source, the world cannot stop you. Are you hearing me? Because you have realization and then you have demonstration of it. Let's make sure you have this understanding. There is a gap in time. Between sowing and reaping. You don't sow today and reap tomorrow. The time gap is called cultivation. Cultivation is the time it takes to prepare and use land for crops or gardening. To develop over time to make conductive or conducive for growth. You don't plant today and reap tomorrow. I don't put seeds for an apple tree in the ground and walk out tomorrow and get an apple tree. I don't put pear tree seeds in the ground and go out and get my pear. I don't, listen, put orange tree seeds in the ground and, and get my orange. Are you hearing me? Because cultivation takes time. Underneath the soil, the seed is developed. You can't see it because it's hidden. Follow me now. Behind the hidden purposes of God a seed is developing there are hidden purposes in your life that you haven't even come across yet but as you grow in the grace of God the seed begins to break forth eyes ears legs toes a pounding heart breathable lungs all the things that you need to be conducive for service you don't get that right off the bat Amen. There are a lot of people in the church who want to sow and reap, but they don't want to spiritually develop. They have very little concern for spiritual development, so God can't trust them with the reaping. 2 Corinthians 9.10 tells us 
Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God is concerned with your spiritual development, not just with your bank account. His sole concern is not a new job for you. Give you a better house. A bigger bank account. His sole concern is to produce more righteousness in you. Well, pastor, you said spiritual development and then you said righteousness. I don't understand the difference. I'm so glad you don't because I had a revelation. I told you earlier I did. The word that I've always used for you and, and the word that speaks life to me is the word righteousness. It is the word dikasune. It was up until now, I thought it was the only translation of the word. But in Corinthians, we find this word righteousness has a second definition. Dikasune, the original translation, the one that I tell you all the time, to be thoroughly right, to be thoroughly connected to God. There's a second definition. I've never noticed it. I went back to other forms of the word and I had not seen it before. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it shows us this word decane. This is the translation is to be equitable or have a character of equity. Over time, you gain equity in your home. Your home becomes worth something. When you first pay for it, all you're paying for really is the interest on the home. But over time, you gain equity. You gain something that is worth something. Righteousness is worth something to God. Righteousness is spiritual development. The more righteous you become, the more sold out, committed to God you become, the more equity you get in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah to His name. Don't expect a huge harvest if you plant one row of corn, church. So, just like Wednesday night, I told you it's a mindset. But it's only a mindset if you have an understanding of grace. And you have an understanding that God has completely provided everything. I mean everything. Verse 8 tells us this. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9, And God is able to make a, all grace abound toward you, that ye always have all sufficiency and all things may be abundant to every good work. Verse 9, As it is written, He hath Dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. There is this word righteousness again. His equity remains forever. Now I'm standing behind the pulpit and I'm trying my best to stay calm. But I don't think that we get what equity in Christ is. And when you get down the road and all your friends have left you and you're the only one there, that is equity in Christ. Because what God understands is you have put in the time, you've put in the labor, you've plowed up the fallow ground. Does anybody know what fallow ground is? It's ground that's been plowed over and over and over and over again with no growth. But you've plowed up the fallow ground. You've got real deep into the Word of God. And now life is springing forth. How does equity remain through righteousness? Because God has built through cultivation of spiritual development in the individual believer, the seed. If you don't understand this, church, you will spend the rest of your life trying to gain favor from a God that already gave you favor. So everything is produced after its own kind, Genesis 1.12. 
Apple trees produce apples, pear trees produce pears, oranges produce orange trees. Everything after its own kind. So listen, the Bible tells us to give what we need to God. Show Him the thing you need. Amen? Show Him the relationship you want to have with Him. Ruth wanted a relationship with Naomi. Amen? But in order to get a relationship, she had to give a relationship. And in turn, Naomi gave her a relationship back. That is how it works. Have you ever met someone that don't want to give relationship back? Let a lot of those people in my life. I want you to understand that God is relationship. He knows everything about relationship. And it's already built into the seed of the sower. It's built in by grace. So when you understand farming... You understand that you are enriched and you don't have to be manipulated. You don't have to be tricked. Philippians 4.18, listen to what he says. But I have all and abound. I am full, have receiving of Ephrodus, the things which we sent from you, an odor of sweet smell and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you plant the seed, you set in motion God's harvesting process. But then there's a problem. Based on the 2016 Barna Poll average, the average Christian gives God 2.7% of their income. That means there's a lot of stealing going on in the kingdom. People wearing stolen clothes. People wearing, driving stolen cars. Wearing stolen shoes, living in stolen houses, using stolen bank cards. It's tight, but it's right. Because week by week, month by month, year by year, they rob God. While all the same time asking God to bless them. I'm not preaching about money to you, I want you to hear what I'm saying. They want God to bless them. Let me ask you another question. Would you bless somebody that broke into your house and stole from you? God, give me. God, I need. <laughs> That's funny. Because you didn't give me what was mine. Why would you bless a thief? Why would you honor a thief? Now this is an understanding. But this gives us keys to the kingdom. And this is why a lot of church people are frustrated. Now watch this because we're going to debunkify some more things. I've already done a lot if you were listening. I hear this from people. Tithing was under the old law. Has everybody thought that? Tithing was under the old law. You're right. It's in the Old Testament. But let's address some things. Because we haven't been reading our Bibles. Because tithing was under the old law, but it's also under grace, the New Testament. Hebrews 7 and 8. And there are men that died received tithes, but there he received them, and whom it is witness that he liveth. But the question is, why were they giving tithes in the New Testament? Wouldn't that be a question that you would ask? 
Because it's under grace. It's not under the law. We talked about that on Wednesday night. Now listen, they gave it under the law. The law meant that you had to. I expressed it and gave you complete understanding of what the covenant and the cutting of covenant was. It was law. But listen, the law means you have to and God means, or grace means, thank you. There's two different mindsets here. Hebrews 5, 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Calling of God a high priest after order of Melchizedek. Most Christians don't even know who Melchizedek was. I have to be honest with you, I've always tithed. I was taught to tithe, but I didn't really know who Melchizedek was either. Melchizedek was the king of Salem and he called the king, he was called the king of righteousness or the king of equity. The Bible says that Jesus was after the order and bloodline of Melchizedek. That means Jesus is in the priestly line of the king or the priest Melchizedek. Let's take a minute and talk about him. God created a covenant with Abraham. Does everybody agree? Because God gave a covenant with Abraham, God gave Abraham deliverance over his enemies. God gave him victory. Out of Abraham's gratitude for victory, he gave a tithe to the prophet of equity or the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Now watch this. This all happened before the law was put in place. Abraham was far before Moses. We are not called sons of Moses. We are called sons of Abraham. Amen? So all of this happened before the law was put in place by Moses. Then the law came. Moses came. All of this stuff came. But I want you to understand without a doubt that Abraham's covenant with God came before the law of Moses. But the question is not any of that. The question is, why did Abraham give a tithe to Melchizedek? The tithe was to express to the priest his gratitude for victory. Isn't that what the Bible says? He was so grateful for victory that he demonstrated with the tithe voluntarily before there was a law. Why does that matter to me, Pastor? Jesus is after the bloodline or the order of Melchizedek. He's not of the order of Aaron and, and of the order of Moses. So he is of the priestly line of Melchizedek, which is a total different line. What's the revelation here? Just as Melchizedek received the tithe for the purpose of Abraham's expressing of gratitude for victory... God expects a tithe from you because of your expecting of victory or your blessing of victory. It is a gratitude. It's not a you have to anymore. It's a thank you for victory. Amen? So Jesus is of the same line of Melchizedek, the priestly line, the bloodline. So he receives the same tithe for the same purpose. The purpose is to thank God for victory. What am I saying to you, church? Satan doesn't get the final say-so. Are you hearing me? Jesus is victorious over your situation. 
Jesus is victorious over your circumstance. Jesus is victorious over your struggle. Jesus is victorious over your sin. Jesus is victorious over your problem. Thank you, God, is why I give a tithe. Thank you, God, is why I need you. Thank you, God, is the mercy of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Thank you, God. I've got to quit. Why have we not experienced this yet? Why can we not experience victory in our lives? Because faith comes and grace, faith comes, then grace comes, then we get the victory of favor because we've had the grace of God. Romans 8.37 says it best. In all these things, I am more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors to him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. You know what scripture comes to my mind right after I say that? It has always come to my mind. That was the first scripture that I learned. I would go to churches and preach as a young pastor. I knew those three scriptures and I'd quote them about 17 times. We'd have altar call one person to come. We'd go home. But the scripture that comes to my mind is we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Listen, this is the scripture that comes. Are you ready? It's not even close in, in proximity. But it says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Why? Because I have victory. Victory in Jesus. Oh, he bought me. He changed my life. He transformed me. I don't want to be different on the platform than I am in the world. And a lot of Christians are. He loved us. He gave us victory. So why not stand victorious? Why not declare today? Why not love? Why not give grace? The church has taken the grace that we're supposed to be affording other people. When you understand that you're victorious in Christ... then it's not something you try to get out of. It's an opportunity you take advantage of. There's only been one month in my life where my wife and I did not give a tithe and an offering on top of it. We were going through some struggles. I don't have time for the story. You want to go home and watch CSI and eat your roast. But we were going through some struggles. We didn't have the money. She said, what do you want me to do? It was $50. I said, just keep it. She said, are you sure? I don't think we should do that. God's always been good to us. I said, we got to have the money. Every car we had broke down. Washer broke down. Refrigerator broke down. I walked out in the garage, busted a mirror. That's got to be seven years of bad luck. At least that's what they tell me. I'm not a real kind of luck kind of guy. You either believe in Jesus or you believe in luck. I like the latter. Amen. So he came in on a Wednesday night. Oh, let me get you with another one. I was a leader in the church. Oh, snap. Came in on Wednesday night. I called Kate. I said, Kate, 
We got $50 in the bank. She said, I don't know. She called and she called me back. She said, we got $52.69. I said, get the $50 out of the bank. She said, we're going to be broke. I said, we're already broke. We don't have no cars. We don't have a washer. We don't have a dryer. Kate's grandpa had to go buy us a, a refrigerator. Now you talk about swallowing your pride and a 79-year-old man having to pay for something for you. That will tear you apart. As a strapping young man who was able to work. And I did work a job. I remember that night I came in. I got the money from Kate. I, laid the, I put the money in the offering. They did it just like we do. We set the offering plate out on Wednesday night. I put the money in the offering plate. And I thought, God, we are busted. I mean, I can't even buy a Big Mac value with, meal with $2.69. I was, I'm telling you what, I was messed up. Before church was over, hear what I'm saying. Before church was over, someone had went to our car and stuck a $100 bill in the center console. So we had $102.69 to our name. That was my net worth. Why am I telling you this? Because every time you show the gratitude of God, God, I'm thanking you is what you're saying for the victory. He shows up. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.